Bases loaded. The pitch to stand. Swung on and drilled deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. Oh, what a shot by Stanton. He put it into orbit. What's happening? Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My name is Andrew White. I'm alongside the, well, not the Jelly Fam, Justin Ellis, sadly, this time, but the slickest of slats, K Slats, Kevin Slattery, and the Marshman, Andrew Marshall. I'm so used to the rhythm of that intro that I was just guaranteed to say Justin at some point, but Justin is in the midst of travels. It is difficult to get all of us together sometimes, so we wish him safe travels, of course. Kevin, how are you? And, you know, just maybe maybe just add real quick, give a give a positive or negative rating of your Giants draft last week. Yeah, man. No, I'm I'm doing well overall, you know, negotiated pay raise, you know, at, at the uh the new job. So it's like that's pretty cool. But brothers got into to their colleges, so happy about that, you know. So really excited for them. And then like honestly, overall too, man, like their birthday's coming up, like. We're thinking of doing a cake, but then my brothers were like, nah, we like chocolate chip cookies a lot. So I don't know what we're going to do. We might do just chocolate chip cookies and put candles in the chocolate chip cookies or something. But like, then again, though, they're going to be solid. So it's like, you can't, you can't like cook cookies and put the candles in the oven. That would just be bad because the wax would melt into the the chocolate chips. But overall, man, like psyched about the Giants, man. Honestly, after they nailed the first two picks, they could have literally boycotted the next couple rounds and I would have still been happy, but (laughs) they like, they drafted 11 players and the fact that they were able to get 11 guys, like with the picks they had, they basically drafted a whole one side of the ball potentially. I mean, I'm pleased. Um, And this isn't maneuvering that I would have seen, you know, the last three or four years. So I'm certainly very happy. Real quick though. Tell, tell the world what's this, uh, what's the new job? Yeah, so uh, I got a job actually with Landtech, which is kind of like, I guess you could say like football field stuff, like on Long Island and elsewhere, but it's like a marketing gig. It was kind of like the closest I could kind of get into my major and stuff, but overall, like pretty good overall, you know, like good starting salary. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to work into that, see what's going on. But yeah, love see it. What's love going it. On. Congratulations. Congratulations. Stellar. Marshall, how are you? Uh, he has just told us that he is currently in a parking lot in Middletown, Connecticut. So, hello. How's it going, guys? Um, so, draft stuff. Do you want to hear my little soliloquy? My very short uh, little bit to start the show? I mean, yes. In 2010, the New England Patriots traded up for a player with a uh, considerable injury history. Early in the second round, pick 42. Some were questioning at the time. But Nick Casario saw Rob Gronkowski develop the New England Patriot system, become one of the greatest players in the history of the sport. And nearly a decade later, over a decade later, Nick Casario, watching the board, traded three picks up to pick 44, not for Rob Gronkowski, but for John Mechie III. (laughs) That's what he learned, man. (laughs) Luckily, I did not hammer the bet uh, as much as I was going to mainly because of my own technical inabilities to figure out how to put the bet on multiple books. I guess I'm lucky for that. But for Nick Casario, I don't know, man. I can't even get mad at this one. Well, I'm, I'm happy you didn't you didn't put the money down, man. That's uh, Well, as much money down, because I felt very bad when I saw that he was picked off the board before whatever it was, 53, <laughs> I guess. 
but yeah. And so oh, I, I have a, I have a lot of Bitcoin now that I did not intend on uh, keeping as Bitcoin. So, uh, you know, I guess some may say I'm actually a, a very strategic investor. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll go with that story. Uh, well, congratulations on your Bitcoin. <laughs> okay, let's begin. Um, I'm sure Justin would have some great things to say about his draft. Uh, he might squeak in at the very end of the show. If not, doesn't matter. We'll ask him next week still to give his thoughts, you know, maybe really quickly before we continue. But I'm sure he's very happy. We'll talk about those decisions later on. Now, let us begin with question number one. This is mainly going to be a draft show. Yes, it's going to be a week late. We don't care. That's kind of how we're grading it, and we're going to have some fun here. All right. Who had the best draft? And by that, we kind of just mean team in general. Um, so, so what do you think? Who do you think was there? I will start, and I'm going to give two answers. One, I think the Jets is a little bit too obvious of a pick for me. Um but I am going to use the Jets there. Uh, getting Jermaine as well towards the end of the draft. They had some trades in there to make some things work. Uh, they just, they weren't afraid, you know. Um, Sauce Gardner, I thought was a fantastic pick as well. Um, they got after it. They really, they really got after the picks. And they, they, I mean, Garrett Wilson too. Just, just get in there. I like that they're, they're getting involved and they traded a lot for those picks as well. Um, and then finally, uh, the second one, the Eagles. I will say the Eagles uh, won this draft uh, as well, but it's for the sole reason that they were considering getting N'Kobe Dean in the first round, and they were able to get N'Kobe Dean at the 80-something pick. And that will be the biggest sleeper of the draft. We'll talk about that later on. But Jets and Eagles for me. Uh, Kevin, how about yourself? Yeah, so I think what you said, White Jets are an obvious pick, but I'm going to go Eagles for me. Um, I'm going to go with the fact that they got Jordan Davis to be like kind of like a Fletcher Cox uh, successor, if you will. The fact that they got AJ Brown after getting Devonta Smith last year, like they know outside of Devonta Smith, quite frankly, that they, I think they can't draft wide receivers. Like I think they've shown that for years now, but the fact that they were able to basically pull off a heist when Tennessee didn't want to extend and give him a contract, like they probably have the best receiving core now, to be quite honest, like in the NFC East. And they're probably the favorites to win the division this year. So combine that too with Nicobe Dean falling to linebacker, where it's kind of like a weak so-so spot for what's normally like a really good Philly defense. Um, I think they got tremendous value and tremendous guys at weak positions. So I think they're going to win the division this year. Fair take. By the way, uh, sleeper pick in this one, the Carolina Panthers as well. Uh, Matt Corral in the third mm -hmm. round is going to help them. And um, obviously, Icom, a uh, great OT pick there. So, uh, Marshall, though, what's your what's your take here? So, I thought it was originally going to be a little, I guess, easy of a pick, but I'm also going the Jets. The reason I'm going the Jets is because I saw some guy from PFF saying they should have drafted Malik Willis, potentially, the pick they used to trade up for Brees Hall. So, I'm going to go with them. Uh, reason being, Sauce, absolutely love him. Uh, you can't be called Sauce unless you're just an absolute alpha. The fact that that nickname is even persisted is insane. Also, that's the scheme that he was born to play. So, I mean, I corner's a high-variance position, but I have no doubts about him. Um, not as high on most people as Wilson, but he should be very, very good. I just like, you know, I mean, like D Daniel Jeremiah had him at like fourth on his board. I just didn't see that. But... um. Love Jermaine Johnson. 
Love Brees Hall. Rucker, good player. And then Michael Clemens at pick 117 is a very underrated pick in this draft. So for those reasons, I'm still going the Jets. I mean, they they killed it. They did. It's pretty impressive. There, there was a lot of teams that did pretty well. I even kind of noticed a little bit later on that the Detroit Lions honestly had a pretty good draft as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if you guys saw the video of Jameson Williams seeing Aiden Hutchinson and Aiden Hutchinson's like, yo, what's up? And like Jameson Williams almost walked past him because he was like, who the hell is this? And then he saw that the Lions hat was he was wearing. He's like, oh shit, that's like my teammate now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, D- DM me and uh, we'll, we'll get right to work. You know, it was, it was pretty funny. But uh, good picks nonetheless. Okay. Who had the worst draft? Uh, this is obviously speculation. Some teams didn't even have that many picks. You know, you look at the Rams. Was it really a bad draft? Well, they didn't have, you know, they had like no picks. And they won a Super Bowl because of it. So, you know, it's, it's a tough situation here. But um, I will go with, I'd say, a pretty basic pick in my opinion. Um, not really a fan of what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. Um Frankly, not very many players of relevance. Uh, I even I even thought Logan Hall was a little bit of a reach as well. So uh, Buccaneers for me, I'm, I'm not sure what's really necessary there. I mean, you look at Jake Camarda from Georgia, I can tell you as a Georgia fan, fourth round for him as a punter. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's not really all that. Uh, he's He tends to shank the punt a lot, I can tell you that. And so a fourth rounder on a punter, I don't know. That's not that's not that's not personally my choice. But the Tampa Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the the worst draft in my opinion. Kevin, how about you? Yeah, so for me, like my two teams that I have, I have the Chicago Bears and then I also have the Colts. The Colts I have because one, I think losing that first round pick, like after we saw all the good moves that all these teams made, I think again, like the quarterback decision, I'm not gonna get too far into it, but I think trading that first round pick, like in a deep first round, I think that potentially hurts them and lowers them for me. Um, But the bears too, like, you know, they're coming with a defensive minded head coach and they drafted heavy on defense, but they don't have depth at receiver. They have like Darnell Mooney, who's like really the only like long-term starter from last year. And then like a lot of question marks and Justin Fields, like he showed promises towards the end of the year, but, I don't know if they've done enough to solidify the offense, especially O-line, you know, because at times like he was just getting sacked at the end of the year when like he had no chance of escaping. So, you know, strengthening guards, center the interior of the line, and then getting a little bit heavier on receivers. Like, I think that should have been the necessity for the Bears in this draft, and I don't necessarily think they hit on those. Marshall. So, unsuspectedly, the Cardinals really didn't like their draft. Trey McBride is a good player, yes. One of the picks you used to trade for Hollywood. And then you get pack, pick 100. I didn't like the rushers that they took in the third round. You know, Cam Thomas is uh, definitely the definition of an effort rusher. Um, now, he has some athleticism, too. He's a former position convert guy. Really an athletic-type tight end body that's continued to put on a little bit of weight. But... Don't love how he always plays on like interior gaps. And also he's been dubbed as the West coast version of Aiden Hutchinson. But I'm telling you his pre-draft process was not, not good from a variety of things that I personally saw. And I think a lot of it's not going to translate with him. So I'm lower on consensus on Cameron Thomas 
And Majai Sanders, like, he just needs to get stronger, like, period. So if I have two third-round picks like that, I just personally don't see how, you know, you look at players that were picked around that spot last year. Patrick Jones was, in my eyes, considerably better than both of those players. I believe I had, like, an early four on him. You know, rushers get taken a little bit earlier anyways because of their value. But not particularly high on, um, on those guys for that spot. And, you know, the Hollywood stuff goes into it, too. The Texans, as I mentioned, not really bad outside the Mechie pick, although they took Thomas Booker at 150. And I know you're going to say, hey, you don't think the guy they took a pick 150 is very good. No, I don't. Does it matter? (laughs) Probably not. So I'm just putting them for the John Mechie pick. But, you know, at least they didn't put it. I'll attack Patriots fans later uh, about Slade Bolton during this podcast. I'm going to tie that together. And then the Commanders. Uh, The Commanders. Part of their draft counts as trading for Carson Wentz. My question is, who else was going to trade for Carson Wentz? They traded draft capital him for him, and they picked Jahan Dotson at pick 16. A fine player, potentially a good player, but not a physically strong player. And in my eyes, his ball tracking doesn't match up completely with his good hand-eye coordination. And so for me, I don't see the deep threat potential quite as much with him. He's a good, solid player. But pick 16? Didn't really like the rest of your draft. Like, I don't know. I'm just team anti-commanders at this point. (laughs) Team anti-commanders. Well, we'll see what happens with that as well. Okay. The biggest draft reach. Now, I feel like if I say the the strange pick in strange for the Patriots, uh, the the first-round draft pick, the O-lineman that the Patriots got, that frankly, you just knew that the uh, people leading the show for the NFL draft had no idea. Like they were just thrown off. As soon as they saw his name come across the board, they were like, Oh shoot. Like, where's our notes on this guy? Like Mel Kuyper, please, please save us. Like we don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I'll kind of leave that one out. Cause uh, I mean, I obviously have no idea. It just seemed like a reach to me in the, in the first round for a guy that I would imagine was definitely there in the second, third, and possibly even the fourth round. But um. I'll continue a little bit further. I actually, I don't know. The 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 Packers with Quay Walker from Georgia first round pick, I it was a little much for me. Um, I don't even think he's the best linebacker on the team, let alone uh, college football. Uh, so that was a little bit of an aggressive pick for me. Again, I think the Packers waited a little bit too long to get into the uh, wide receiver, I guess, category, so to speak. Um and then a little bit further as well, I mean, the Cardinals with Trey McBride, I understand tight ends, he's great. He's a great player. But for me, the Cardinals, I just, I think they have some other issues to tackle. Um, and and really a, a tight end in the second round, no matter how good you are, I just, it's not really it for me. So I'd say those are my reaches. Um, yeah. And, and even the Falcons pick with Drake London. Um, a little aggressive too, at least as high as he was drafted. Great player, but I don't know. Those are my question marks. Okay, Kevin. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to go with the Browns fourth round. I'm going to go Katie York. Like, again, like, I like kickers. Like, Marshall, like, Marshall might not think, like, the kickers are football players. I think they're football players. But, like, at the same time, I just think fourth round, like, I think Cleveland could have spent their capital, like, going linebacker depth. They could have gone more corner depth. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like going Katie York in the fourth round is a little bit of a reach, but that's me being like nitpicking. So I, I just wouldn't have done that if I was Cleveland. 
And Marshall? Well, my stance on kickers, Kevin, is the good ones are players, but the bad ones are not players. Um, <laughs> Cade York's good, but yeah. Yeah, but Cade York's good, so he's a football player. Um, <laughs> overdrafted players, you know, 18 – so picks 18 and 19 feel that way for me in terms of the number pick. However, you, you know, like Traylon Burks – I could see him being good on those like deep over routes. And we've mentioned before, like, I think he does a lot of good football player stuff. You know, he had over a buck 50 uh, against Alabama. You know, he's, he, speed is the question mark with him. And then also technicality, you know, there's questions about what is, what is his actual route profile? Because a lot of things you don't see in college. Um, you know, him, Penning, Penning can develop, but, he has a bully complex and when that stuff becomes too ingrained, like it's like, okay, what happens when the bully gets bullied? Like the bullies never get bullied. So, you know, Trevor Penning at the lower levels, you know, his, you know, his high end is, I mean, he's just throwing people around sometimes, but he's got a long way to go regarding his technique. And I just wonder if he kind of has the temperament to master that side of the game as well, especially for that high of a pick. Um, And, you know, the quarterbacks didn't really go earlier. Maybe Logan Hall, but I want to watch a little bit more of him. But we'll, we'll, we'll stick with those two guys. Um, I also didn't love the Wandale Robinson pick, but that's that's a philosophy thing. I just wouldn't draft those small, slip, you know, shifty slot guys, you know, top 45, unless they're, like, really, really polished and phenomenal. That's fair. Okay. Now, the biggest draft steal. If it's N'Kobe Dean for you, we're going to try to pick another one. I will say that is for me. Uh, there were reports that he might need surgery or something. And then he said afterwards, I don't know where those came from. I don't need surgery. I'm going to be a full go for spring training. So I don't know what's really true, but if he's correct, it's kind of a big L on a lot of uh, management around the league, but we'll avoid that one. If that is your answer, uh, biggest steal. Uh, I have a couple here, but I will begin with um, this one. My bias take of the day, George Pickens to the Steelers. I was surprised only because of this reason. The amount of wide receivers that were genuinely chosen before him. It's not the notion that he was a second round pick. I think that, you know, I can understand maybe uh, he had some character issues at least, you know, a couple of years ago, not so much anymore. But so I understand the second round pick, but I, I think it was like borderline 10 wide receivers that were drafted before him, an astronomical number. So I think that'll be a massive steal for the Steelers. Uh, freak athlete. Um, has, I believe, uh, over a 90% catch rate in the past, like, two years. has barely dropped anything. Um, and then my second one, uh, biggest steal of the draft being, uh, I, I don't know if this really counts because he was kind of, like, in the first round, but Jermaine Johnson, I think, for the Jets. It's a big pick, huge pick, especially for them. Uh, he'll pan out pretty well. I don't really know if it's a steal because it's a late first round. So you can tell me that's not fair. I don't know, but. I think he'll work out really well, and I think that's a top 15 talent that they got at 26. So those are my answers. Kevin, how about you? Yeah, so I'm actually going to say Malik Willis, man. Like Malik Willis falling to the third round. Like I, I know there was a lot of talk about a lot of QBs going in the first, but some of these guys fell really far down, like Matt Corral and Moss of like Willis. But him going to a good situation with Tennessee, man, where I know the receiver depth isn't as great, but like, Great O-line, uh, you got a great run game, and now you got Burks also at receiver. Like, 
he could move into like a really good position in a year or two. If like he sits behind Tannehill. And I mean, there's already like a little bit of beef. Like it seems like with him and Tannehill kind of going on, at least him saying he's not going to mentor Willis, which I think that shows that he's concerned about Willis. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like Willis, like I think going into the draft, everything that you saw or read on him was like, Hey, like guy has like great deep ball throwing potential and has, you know, good deep ball accuracy, but like, you know, maybe in terms of like decision-making short intermediate, like not maybe like reading everything entirely yet, like in terms of going like one to two to three to four options. But if he sits behind for a year or so in in this good system, like Tennessee could have a steal, like as as a third rounder. So I I think Willis is promising, like based off where he's landed. Marshall, what do you character guy too? Oh yeah, that's true. Marshall. You guys have mentioned a lot of great names. Jermaine Johnson, one for me. George Karlopas at 30, another one for me. You know, just really like his game. Um, the other guys are Corral at 94. I honestly thought that some of the sh- some of the stuff that Rappaport was putting out there in terms of the reporting um, was really kind of unnecessary in the moment. Um, and, you know, I'm not always that guy that kind of will, like, say that, but I, I thought some of it was a little bullshit. Uh, that Rappaport was kind of putting out there and how we framed it. I think Corral, like his tape is very clean. I have some size concerns with him more than anything. It's not like, I don't really care. I think he's a gamer. Um, You know, I I think he like absolutely has talent. I just kind of wonder, you know, like size is always a part of my grading. It's like the reason for that is because, a player might play a certain way in college, but, you know, we look at like a Josh Allen. It's like, and this kind of highlights the, the difference between Josh and Malik Willis. Um, players above thresholds can transcend, okay? They don't have to play the game like other players. Um, and for me, I didn't see Malik above that threshold. Again, he went third round. That's where he should go, right? The other addition to Matt Corral is Sam Howell. And I think that, this you see this in the NFL. There's ebbs and flows to everything. Players that are successful, people try to draft players that look like them more. Baker wasn't so successful. Well, guess who happens to sadly look like Baker Mayfield? Sam Howell. Sam Howell looks like Baker Mayfield. But if you watch him, he's a much better athlete than Baker. Uh, and part of Baker's problems is actually really kind of how he handles things. You know, Sam Howell, he might not be great, but first pick in the fifth round, I like that value. I like that value for Sam Howell. Like maybe if Carson continues to implode, you know, Sam might go in there and actually like do something. So I think that those picks, especially Corral at 94, you know, are definitely worth the bets. And Justin has arrived looking all good. Uh, before maybe he answers a question, Justin, how are you today? Tell us where you are and uh, how life's been going with uh, the job world and the esports world. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, quite a journey of a day, to say the least. Uh, I am currently uh, in the Virginia area, so slightly south of the usual Connecticut, so checking out some stuff here. Um but it, it's, it's been quite a journey. My flight went as planned. Everything was going as planned. I, I landed in D.C., so I did some walking around while waiting for my train. And when I got to the train station, uh, I waited, and I uh, waited a bit more. Um, and it said it was going to be like 10 minutes late. So I was like, okay, I'll wait. 
Amtrak guy says, okay, it's about to come. We go out. And he's like, okay, here it comes. And a train comes. It is not the train by any means of what we're supposed to go on. It's a local Virginia train, which honestly, I now realize uh, I shouldn't have booked Amtrak. I should have actually booked a regular Virginia train, but I didn't know the area. So uh, honestly, this is my own fault in doing. Um, And we wait another 10 minutes longer. You know, everything's great. And another train's coming. We hear it. it. He's like, that doesn't sound like the Amtrak. And I was like, Man, this guy must have worked here a while. He doesn't. He knows the sound of the Amtrak. He's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the when the Amtrak comes, more like, and he literally is making sounds. Like, it goes more like a hole. And then he's like, <laughs> and he's like, and it's a Virginia. And he's like, if it's one of the Virginia local ones, kind of like a hey. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. Uh, and the train comes, and it, it's another Virginia train. His hand was correct. Wow. And yeah, I, I was impressed. And he was like. Yeah, uh, we just got a radio in from the operator. Um, our, your train is currently lost. I was like, lost? I'm like, there's one track, right? They're like, what? where else is it going to go except on a track somewhere? And they're like, yeah, the, the operator who keeps track of where the trains are, uh, he doesn't know where it went. He uh, labeled it wrong on the last track. So it's lost right now. And I was like, how do you lose a whole train? Like, come on. I, are you serious with me? So another 20 minutes goes by and I hear it. I hear the difference. I hear the horns and the hang and, and it shows up and um, the train was fine. And then I got in my Uber and I had to give them two stars, which was very exciting. Yeah. I'm giving you a whole life story right here. Um, but car was like the left side of the car was completely like dented in as if like it looked like it was like just recently hit. Um, guy was like swerving. Guy was swerving the whole way there got honked at a ton. He missed the turn into the hotel twice. And he decided to make a U-turn in the middle of traffic <laughs> across multiple lanes with cars coming both ways. <laughs> um, so yeah, now I'm here. I'm with you all and I'm, uh, I'm enjoying the Sixers game in the background. So nice. I made it. Well, I'm glad you're safe. That's good. It's good to hear. Um, well, we're going to toss it right at you. We were currently on the biggest draft steal not including nicobe dean if that was your pick uh which it seemed to be here as well um so if you have a biggest draft steal uh, it's up to you to share it now if you need more time we'll move on um i mean i, I think most of the quarterbacks in this draft were just steals altogether i would just name every quarterback as a steal i mean i know we were hated on this class and i don't think it's going to be a great class but i mean Pick it at pick 20, fell just as the Steelers wanted it. And then you look at everything that happened afterwards. I mean, no other quarterback was picked till the third round. And I think you're getting value almost out of every one of those quarterbacks being a third rounder. A lot of those guys were second round talents and would have been second round talents in basically any draft class, in my opinion. Um, so altogether, those quarterbacks are a huge value grab for teams. And I mean, you look at people like Russell Wilson, who was drafted in the third, and Kirk Cousins, who was drafted in the sixth. And those were way better draft classes. I I really think there is some value to be had among this quarterback class. You'll definitely see more than Kenny Pickett as a starter, I think, in the near future. Okay, the thoughts on the Marquise Brown trade. By the way, some things coming out about that. People were a little bit shocked. They thought, you know, the Ravens did Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson uh, dirty. But apparently Marquise Brown said he wanted out because the offense was too conservative and not using – his talents to the ability that he believed. So he genuinely wanted out and he's loving the reunion uh, with Kyler Murray. Of course. I mean, that seems to make some sense. So 
Um, I could say that that's not what I expected to be the reason why, but nonetheless, what are your thoughts on the trade? Um, it was for a uh, 23rd pick uh, in the draft was given to the Ravens, which I think again was then moved to the bills, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then uh, a third round pick number 100 uh, and Marquise Brown was given from the Ravens to the Cardinals. Um, I like it for the Cardinals got some weapons for them. Uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what really happens. I think Marquise Brown is a tad bit overrated as well though. So I don't know. It's hit or miss for me. Um, I think the Ravens, I guess, had to get rid of him in that, in that sense. If there's a wide receiver telling you he doesn't like playing for you, you got to get rid of him. So, uh, that's my take, uh, Kevin. Yeah. I think this is the best of both teams trying to make best of like a bad situation because like we saw with Deandre Hopkins getting suspended then like six games afterwards, like, Brown's probably going to walk in and be like, honestly, maybe even like the number one option at this point. Um, I'm just reading now right now with what Baltimore traded, they got the 23rd, but then it says they flipped it here for 25 and 130. So, because I guess one 25 became Tyler Linderbaum for them. So I actually think like the Ravens walked away pretty well here, like getting Linderbaum at 25. Um, you know, they have Hamilton also, but I do think their receiver depth is still lacking. Like they only really have like Rashad Bateman at wide receiver and that's it. Um, but overall, I think they did the best of a bad situation and Cardinals too, quite frankly, although I'm not necessarily really high on either team going into next year. Marshall. Sorry. Um, I'm lower on it from the Cardinals standpoint. The one thing to consider is that 23 in this draft doesn't equal pick 23 in another draft. You know, Christian Darisaw was pick 23 last year. You probably like player, you can find a player around that caliber. Like players turn out or don't turn out, but on the average, you're not going to find the player at that spot that you would last year, or even the year before. Lower on it from Marquee from the Cardinal standpoint, based on like who they picked at edge. He is going to be valuable once Hopkins comes back. Um, I don't know about the sustainability of it, but, you know, once you have your X in that kind of system, your X receiver, Brown, like, like he will have value, and I think he will fit better with Kyler. Um, but, you know, as Kevin mentioned, he's a little lower on both these teams. I'm not lower on it from just, like, the team-building aspect of the Ravens. I think that what this does is, you know, the Ravens do what the Ravens do. And, you know, they pick a lot of good players. We'll kind of get into that at some point. But I'm buying stock in Lamar personally for this year. Um, and I just think that he's he's kind of gotten dragged a little bit. You know, they've got Bateman and, and Mark Andrews there. But if you can build, a, like, a legitimate defense around, around Lamar, like, he is the wild card. He Like, you can manage a game through Lamar, like, schematically, like, no other people. Um, and yes, he's not perfect. I don't think he can use the super, super deep threats as well. That's why Andrews is so valuable. But I'm still buying some stock on the Ravens overall. All right. And Justin. Yeah, I think for me, it's a head scratcher from the Cardinals point of view. Um, I mean, I think Marquise Brown's the biggest loser of all of them. He went from a running quarterback to another running quarterback, either of which throw very deeply down the field. Um, 
So that that's a bit of a toughie for me. I guess Marquise Brown is meant to fill that Christian Kirk role. Um, I would have liked Rondale more to fill that role personally. I think the guy's got a lot of good stuff going on and has some um, like prototype Debo Samuel type vibes to me. I love trying to figure out everybody who's a prototype Debo Samuel, but I think that's the guy on the Cardinals team. Um, but I mean, it helps fill the need for when DeAndre Hopkins isn't there, but I don't think Marquise Brown is going to be used much more there than he is where he was at with Baltimore. I think Baltimore got some great picks with the deal. They need the depth based off of the injuries they had last year. They want to make sure that they don't have that issue again. So accumulating as many picks and as many players as possible just makes a lot of sense. Um, Rashad Bateman's a great wide receiver to have. He's going to take a really big step and he fits well in the Lamar Jackson offense. You still have Mark Andrews, who's going to continue to fit well. Um, I'd love for Devin Duvernay. He's the fastest guy on that team. Probably he's faster than Lamar. I'm pretty sure um, to take that step up and become a more of a receiving role rather than just a special teams returner type. Um, I think Devin Duvernay is the guy I like the most coming out of this trade. I was a big fan of Duvernay, how he's progressed from the past couple of years. Um, and I think he has a lot of room to really grow. And I think he will fill the Marquise Brown role well because Marquise Brown wasn't doing much there to begin with just because the offense doesn't run like that. So you can do a cheaper option in order to fill that role. Now the AJ Brown trade also occurred. So the Eagles received AJ Brown. They had to dish out the, uh, oh, excuse me, AJ Brown, as well as the 26th pick and the Eagles had to give away the 18th pick and number one Oh one, and obviously take on the extension for AJ Brown, whatever. So uh, two things for me, one, I think it's a pretty solid move from the Eagles. I mean, they dropped from 18 to 26, which is really, you know, not that big of a deal. It kind of like went away anyway. Jets ended up getting it, whatever. Um, I mean, AJ Brown's a little injury prone. I, I would have actually liked to see what the Eagles did with pick 18 because they had such a good draft in general. So would have been cool to see, you know, where, where their eyes were looking at 18, but that's asking for a little bit much. Obviously got a great player in AJ Brown, horrific move from the Titans standpoint in my eyes, because I mean, for pick 18, they got trailing burst. So to me, it's like, you're just getting another big guy who you actually don't know if he's as good. Right. I mean, he, he's obviously, he was good in college, whatever. Didn't even have that great of a quarterback, but you know, you're unsure. So you traded all that just to get him. And then you, you've caused an issue here because Ryan Tannehill comes out and says he had no idea that AJ Brown was going to be gotten rid of. That's a problem. Number one, he said he was a good friend and he was gotten rid of. And then on top of that, Tannehill also said that he had no idea. And he was shocked that Malik Willis was going to be drafted. So I just think the, the Titans may have made a mistake. I'm not necessarily saying Tannehill is like, Oh, make sure he's comfortable. I mean, cause he's not that great, but I mean, your main QB for a top three team, in the AFC, the past couple of years, I feel like you got to consider that a little bit. So big L in the Titans, uh, from my standpoint, not saying Burks won't play well. I just think they handled it very poorly. Uh, okay. Kevin. Yeah, no, I, I think the Eagles are the big winners after this trade. I think I spoke it to you like before when we were talking about winners and losers, but ultimately like the Eagles are probably going to win the division like this upcoming year. Like honestly, like with their moves, like their offense in terms of what's going on with the Titans. Um, I think they see that it's max, maxed out at this point. Um, you know, the communication issue is like a problem in itself because like, regardless of what you feel about Tannehill, he probably should know about the moves going down. So I, again, I don't know exactly what their cap situation is, but they're probably looking at AJ Brown and the Burks thing from like, well, 
Like we don't want to give AJ Brown this money. We don't feel like it's deserved, even though, you know, the salaries are all popping off basically because of the TV deal at this point, And it's going to continue. Um, the Eagles could have lucked out though on taking like a big financial, what the Titans thought was a big financial risk, but ultimately isn't going to be for them. Um, they might, I think it's purely like cost saving why they just dealt for Burks in this case. But in terms of where they are, I mean, you're banking on the development of Malik Willis, but you kind of just have the same team. I think that you had, <laughs> you know, maybe with a little bit more questions about Burks. So ultimately though, the Eagles came away winning. They improved their team. I think at best at this point, you could say the Titans maybe maintained what they had. So that's my take. All right. Marshall in the great outdoors. What's your take in the great outdoors? Um, I'm at a random high school in the middle of Connecticut. It's actually kind of funny. Um, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be here. No one's here. Um, shout out the Maloney Spartans. I've never been in this high school. Um, anyways, I need to defend Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill played bad his last game, but if you look at everything that Tannehill has done since he's been there, he's been underrated. This guy was completely not supported by Adam Geese in Miami. He was traded for a fourth-round pick. He outperformed every expectation, was an incredibly tough player, basically did everything in the scheme that they asked him to do. And not just checking the ball down like every single play, you know. he's a, He is a vertical thrower, vertical, like deep intermediate thrower on a lot of those like complimentary concept routes. Tannehill deserves to be pissed. Like the, the Malik Willis quote, one, quarterbacks are kind of just weird in general. Um they don't like gain their spots or lose their spots like every other person. So like they can appear like kind of grumpy or whiny at times. Like if they don't get a spot, cause there's not really anything that they can be like, if you're, a, you know, if you're in a, like a D line rotation, like just play better, but quarterbacks, there's always this kind of aspect, like when there's just some semblance of competition. And I don't think he's particularly threatened by Willis, but he's probably just really annoyed. I mean, like his one of the best, weapons that he has that helps him do his job they got rid of because they didn't want to pay it they got a guy who's worse cheaper and younger you know and he's trying to win right now and i'm sure derrick henry doesn't feel that good about it but from the eagles standpoint i do like this trade for sure aj brown's a player i i love aj brown you know the injuries somewhat of a concern if you're going to pay someone that type of money but i'm okay doing it in this draft because there's not really an alternative or a safe alternative. There are people who can become as good as him, but it's not, you know, it, it, it's really not like previous drafts. It's not like the 2020 draft draft in terms of depth where you can get those players later. So the Eagles, you know, in com in combination with their, with their other moves, you can make a move like this. You know, do I love trading for players who are, the, the, the only thing about A.J. Brown is I believe he is an at-threshold player. So his play speed is not tremendous. His hand-eye is great. But I think you might see some less explosives than him drop off a little bit earlier than other receivers based on what I've kind of evaluated with him. And I loved him. I loved him coming out. Um, but you, uh, in terms of fitting the room that you guys already have, I mean, yeah, it changes your dynamics. Like, Jalen Hurts should play well. He really should. So... You know, the Eagles can do this when you make the moves that they've made outside of it. All right. And Justin, the Eagles fan himself, what do you think of the trade? 
It's weird. I want to say the Titans got fleeced, but they didn't. Um, they came away okay with it. And I think in part that's because the Titans have now decided that they are good enough to beat the rest of their um, division without AJ Brown, which is a reasonable assumption based off of this past season. Um, so like Kev said, they were staying basically even and banking on the fact that they can continue to succeed. And if for some reason they don't succeed, they have set themselves up in the 49ers situation where they've brought in this quarterback, a la Trey Lance last year, um, to kind of fill in for that role next season um, as the quarterback is degrading with age and probably getting ready to move on. Um, But they'll probably be in the same situation as the 49ers are right now where they can't move Ryan Tannehill. It'll be the same mess um, to begin with. But overall, I mean, the Titans did what they needed to do. Uh, I like Traylon Burks a lot. And I like that they have Robert Woods still. Um, so I don't think that's a huge issue for the Titans. But as far as the Eagles go, I mean, it, it was a good move. I mean, it's what you got to do. And I mean, unless all of the like people who are anti-Jalen Hurts are right, I mean, I, I consider them solid Super Bowl contenders or at least NFC champions at this point. Um, the NFC is pretty weak in that regard. And as the Eagles showed when they won their last Super Bowl, all you have to do is get there. Um, in order to win, then there's a bit of luck involved. Um, so I'm definitely not counting out uh, Philly for making that run at this point. And like Kev said, Cowboys have declined slightly. Um, Giants have upgraded slightly, but there's so many risk factors on that team. It's hard to say if they've had enough improvement to do so. And the commanders, I mean, are a complete unknown in that realm. That comes down to if their defense plays well and what kind of Carson Wentz you're going to get this season. And even then, I don't think it's as good as the Eagles team that they've built on offense and that front four double decker bus that they have going there as well. What is something that you wish a team in the draft did that they did not do? For me, it is the Colts. Kevin mentioned a little bit earlier that he thought the Colts didn't necessarily have a good draft. Um, I will add myself here. They had picks 73 and 77 with Malik Willis on the board. I understand the offseason they made with Matt Ryan and such, but think ahead a little bit. Look a little bit beyond. Notice you got you got JT there. You got a good old line. How about you build a little bit of something, maybe? You know, you're, you are lucky that, that this type of player could be around in the 70s. So one of those two picks, they got a tight end and a tackle. I, one of them I just would have done Malik Willis. I mean, what what's there to... I don't know. I just... I don't see the reason why they wouldn't have tried at least, especially that late in the draft. Um, I mean, even, even the tackle position after that, I don't know. It was uh, it was odd for me, but okay. Kevin. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to go to the saints right here. Um, I wish they would have picked either for me personally, Traylon Burks or Jameson Williams. Um, Chris Olave, like, look, I think he's, I think he could be a good player in the NFL, but I don't see him being potentially the number one option as a receiver. Um, I think he's closer to Sterling Shepard than he is like a lead one. And I just think like Jameson Williams and Traylon Burks, like, yes, they're unknowns, but I think they're closer to being number one potential guys on an offense than Chris Olave, who he doesn't have the height to like get jump balls. He doesn't necessarily have like the downfield threat to like consistently get or separate so it's like at the end of the day like I think he could be very good in the slot but it's like 
beyond that, like he's not incredibly physical either. So it's just like, I, I would have rather if they were in that position drafting Williams or Burks. Marshall. You know, in, in, this is a difficult question because if you look at the top of the draft, a lot of moves make relative sense, you know? Like, if you look at Buffalo's draft, like, like they picked who I want, Kyer Elam. I think if you kind of go down the list, I go to Tampa, and I really kind of wish that – I think they've almost fell into uh, – listen, we're in all-in, 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 but they're not really drafting all-in players. They're drafting prototypes that they like, like Logan Hall, for example. You know, they value, they value front seven players, and he has some traits that you like. But, like, is Logan Hall – like, are, my whole thing with them is what is your timeline? And my answer to that would be now. And two, what are you drafting for? You know, we talk about like their third and fourth round picks. I just don't understand what exactly they're building for. Are they just kind of picking players? Are they building for now? Or are they building for the future? And, and, and if, the, if the answer is building for right, right now, I just don't understand it through that lens. Respectful, respectful. Uh, Justin. I'm going to head over to the Vikings for my evaluation. Um, Adolfo Mensa, new GM. First trade he ever does is trade with a division rival who then gets Jamison, <laughs> Win- Will- Jamison Williams. I have a lot of concerns about what that move is. Um, and the crazy part is you see Bleacher Report and other news outlets saying that this was one of the best moves of the draft and they're wrong. Um, (laughs) Like straight up, like you don't trade with your division rival, huge mistake. I don't care what value you think you're getting from it. You got a bunch of defensive value, but you're now putting yourself at risk that there is a chance that Jamison Williams hands out and you have just given the lions a like 10 year wide receiver that might actually kick the crap out of you indefinitely. Because the Lions are going to get a quarterback next year. They're going to have a real quarterback to give it to Jason Williams. It doesn't matter if he's injured right now. They will keep him healthy and give him as much time as he needs because the Lions aren't in win now. Next year, the Lions will be able to start trying to win. And the Vikings will have all these defensive players to thank for it. But Andrew Booth is not going to be covering Jamison Williams that well um, when they get a top quarterback next year. Um, it, it really just makes no sense to me. Uh, it's such a poor first move I think to make and such a risky move to make I mean I guess if Jamison Williams doesn't pan out it's the move of the century but I'm more in favor that in by the time Williams rookie contract is over that Williams will be getting a big payday um, at least Christian Kirk level payday for sure um, and probably with better numbers than Christian Kirk yeah Kev to piggyback on that I know it's the Lions, but man, the Vikings passing judgment like that, like, like, yeah, we'll trade with the division rival and we'll come back to bite us. The Vikings, man, like, come on, man. Literally, the only reason was if they think the Packers were going to sell and take up that next pick after them. That would be the only thing that makes sense is if they were so scared the Packers would come for that wide receiver, which I don't think the Packers had any plans of doing based on how their first round played out. (laughs) That's a valid, that's a valid point. Okay. Um, so our favorite teams here, Bills, Steelers, Eagles, Giants. 
What are kind of your thoughts on their drafts? I guess you could be a little more, you know, you could say a little bit more about your favorite team. So um, I'll start personally with the Steelers. I loved it. I was here for it. Uh, I frankly love the Steelers draft most of the time. Um, they know what they're, they know what they're doing most of the time. Uh, Kenny Pickett. I love the idea. You know, it may not be that great. Who knows? But, you know, I like it. He played well. He played against some good competition. Pittsburgh guy, Mike Tomlin's seen him a bunch. And I think it'll bring some fans to the game. And he has a legitimate shot at starting. And I think it's a it's a good thing. A mature, more mature guy, you know, older, has played longer. Uh, and I am enthralled by the George Pickens pick, not just because I'm a Georgia fan. I thought he was a top six wide receiver. And he's basically wide receiver like 10 or 11 at this point. Um, so I love it. If uh, Mike Tomlin can keep him in check like Kirby Smart did in the last year of his season at Georgia, yeah, I think he's going to be a phenomenal athlete, if not a pro bowler within three years. Freak, freak of a player. Uh, so I love that. Um, but I'll move on to the other guys. Uh, Eagles, top three draft, in my opinion. So hats off to uh, Justin and his team. Good trades. Uh, not afraid to go for the big the big punch. Um, so good job on their end. Yeah. The Bills. Oh, Thanks. It was a busy nice in it was a busy nice in the room. Yeah, it was busy when I was in there. You know, there was a lot of talk going on. So <laughs> I, I appreciate the credit for it. That's for sure. You're right. You're right. All right. My bad. My bad. My bad. Oh, um, the Bills. Uh, I like the beginning of the Bills draft. Uh, Elon, great pick. But after that, I got a little bit confused on where they were going with certain picks. Um, and I would say actually the same about the Giants. Giants first couple picks, fantastic. Um, Loved it actually. Uh, Evan Evan O'Neill's uh, Evan Neal's great pick. I think almost a steal where they got him. But uh, the the wide receiver pick from from Kentucky that one was a little bit of a stretch, and I think they fell off a little bit after that. But the beginning of the Giants gra- draft is uh, enough enough for me to to say that it was good enough. Okay, Kevin. Yeah. So again, like high on the Eagles. Like I kind of went down on them, but or went on describing like what they did. But again, like to piggyback on what Justin's saying, like outside of Tampa and like the Rams, honestly, like they could be realistically the third best team in that conference. Like there's a lot of question marks and who knows, maybe they can finesse their way into the conference championship or something. Um, so I think the Eagles are probably the biggest winners of this group. Um, white your Steelers. Like I thought your team was going to stink this upcoming year. Like I thought that there's no, like, Hey, there's no chance to make the playoffs. Right. Well, you draft Kenny Pickett, and despite what everybody says, like about his hand size or the fact that he wears gloves, like he's a really good like quarterback who could probably like start this upcoming year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like there's debate on his ceiling, but like he could realistically step in right now and probably be better than Big Ben was, at least I think personally. So they got all the receiving talent. They got still defensive talent, like obviously. And at the end of the day, like Pickens like as a depth receiver like even if he doesn't pan out that's an incredible move so you know Deshaun Watson like maybe being suspended several games like don't know like maybe the Ravens like their offense still doesn't gel they could very well be the wild card team I don't think they win the division because of Cincy but could very well be the wild card team which is impressive for a team that I did not think could potentially make the playoffs Bills um I don't know like I love the corner pick because like they need depth for behind like Tredavious White, but not really loving everything else. Like I understand, like, I think James Cook like is a good pick for them because they need, you know, some running back depth or talent, whatever you want to call it, because outside of Singletary, who isn't like necessarily very explosive, but like they just need some depth to like 
move the offense forward, I think, running-wise to make it more dynamic on the ground. Um, you know, they had an RI draft, and, like, yeah, the Giants, I mean, I think the first two picks they nailed, but, White, I, I do agree with you that, like, if they picked Pickens, I, I would have been happier than, like, I, I haven't seen too much of, like, the wide receiver from Kentucky, but overall, like, the Giants have so many holes, like, on the rest of their roster that if they don't nail receiver immediately or they need help, like, there's debate over what they're going to do with Tony and, and Slayton, I'm okay with that because they literally got to get out-muscled every time they play football. Like, O-line, D-line, corner, whatever, they get out-muscled. So they just need to be able to have, like, men who can move the pile. Like, that's literally what they need. So if they can't win on the outside, I'm okay with that because that's just the icing on the cake. But I guess ranking these teams, Eagles had the best draft, in my opinion, of the group. Uh, Steelers, two, And then probably Bills, three. They're probably more like in the C range. And then Giants are probably more in the C range, too, probably being like the back end because there's still a lot of work to do. But all those teams didn't have failing grades, in my opinion, for their draft. All right. Nice. Uh, Marshall. So Eagles draft. Very, very good. We'll see how Jordan Davis continues to develop. And, you know, the snap count thing, I'm just very interested to see what he looks like and progresses like each year and what way he kind of stays at. Um, and I think that will kind of factor into a lot of this stuff. Nicobe Dean. Listen, people said it was what a chest injury probably some form of a torn pec. The reason I don't really understand that is because torn pecs, you know, I can understand if it was a fully torn pec, if he, if he played with it, but if he started nursing that after the championship game, it wouldn't probably be close to full health. That's typically a four month injury. I'm sure he was beat to hell after playing as physical as he played. I mean, in Georgia, Georgia practiced hard as shit too. So Nakobe, like I, 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 you know, I can imagine he just had a physically taxing season. How the hell is he there at eighty, whatever? Yeah, yeah. How the hell? There's some linebacker from Montana State who doesn't know how to play linebacker. <laughs> this is the smartest linebacker in the past decade. I don't give a shit if he's small. By the way, yes, it shows up sometimes that he's small. However. He has an ability to play under blocks and play fairly well. You know, he the way I would describe it is it's hard to describe it. I mean, you guys have watched him too. It's like a buoy effect. Um, he doesn't just get like moved his ass off the ball all the time. He's a physical guy for being small. Yes, I could see more of the speed concerns, but he plays very, very fast. You know, so We've had so many small linebackers who, yes, might be a little bit faster than Dean, but aren't as strong and are nowhere near as smart. How the hell is this guy there in the 80s? I don't care if he has a torn pack. Is it something else that we're like not hearing about? So that, that's the thing I don't understand about Dean because he's one of the best pure football players. Um, you know, and I, I know that we all like, we just like it. Like, it's like, I'm just shocked that he lasted that long, even with an entry. Man, John Matthews picked at 44. John Matthews picked over 40 picks before Nicole Dean. I don't know. But Eagles, good draft outside of that. I'll give you a Jurgens take later because I gotta I gotta dig into them. I've only watched a little bit of them. Um 
Steelers, good. I think they did a combination of like safe, but also swinging for the fences. DeMarvin Leal went third round, um, probably where he should have gone. You know, DeMarvin Leal could be a solid player. I, I just think that, you know, people, people just throw stuff at the wall early in the season. They're like, I know that name, you know, in the draft process. And so like, he, I mean, you look in October, it's like, wait, why is he seventh? on Joe Schmo's, you know, big board. But Joe Schmo doesn't know anything, you know. So, you know, DeMarvin Leal, solid player. He's Andrew Marshall in the NFL. Um, <laughs> I thought you said you don't – I thought you said you don't draft guys that remind you of yourself. I don't draft them, like, incredibly high because it's the League of Freaks, uh, you know. I see, It's the I League see. of Freaks, except for, you know, like, weirdly offensive line guys because you can have deficiencies if you're, like, if you make up for it in, like, other areas. Um, but it depends on the player. I don't have a type, you know, I just see, a, I just see an aspect of players. Like, I mean, I looked at Curvis Weaver and I was like, Oh my God, that's the worst of me. You know? And I hated him. Yeah. You know, I was like, shit, but regardless giants and bills had weirdly similar drafts. Bills just didn't have the draft capital. I think they all had good first round picks. Um, and the thing with the bills is I think they had no okay kid draft. I'm not crazy high on it, but, if you can get those, you're in a win-now mode. I liked Elam. I wanted Elam. James Cook, okay, you're you're getting a player for a role in the second round. Who knows about it or anything after that? I'll watch more tape on those guys. But, um, you know, Giants, the first few picks, and I, th- I think Wondell Robinson was influenced by what they saw with Cole Beasley in Buffalo, that front office. I think that's what it was influenced by. I don't think that they had a hype bias against him. I, saw, I think they saw how he could be used. So I think that's why they picked him early. All right. And uh, Jelly, finish us off here with the draft. Yeah, so I'll start at the bottom. Um, I would say the Steelers are my B-minus right now. Um, I don't think it was a bad draft. I mean, I like Pickett a lot, and Pickens isn't a bad pick. Um, But they kind of just let the draft fall to them, I guess. They were kind of just taking what was there that they liked, which isn't necessarily like a bad strategy, but it's, it's basic, it's pretty unexciting in my opinion and honestly the Steelers I think coming into the draft and leaving the draft were my favorite out of the Vegas odds of those who are favored last in their division I think they're still the most likely to win their division um I think right now that there's a lot against them just because you know you're coming off a team that was in the Super Bowl but the Steelers have a lot of great pieces there still and a lot is better than Big Ben um, so uh, I think Steelers are, had a fine draft, but I wish they would have played a bit more like they were contenders for that division, because I think they are contenders for that division. Um, and I don't think they see that right now. Um, so this year might be a bit of a test year and that might actually end up hurting them to have drafted picket there solely because they might not do the tests that they test that they really need to do in this first year. If they choose to stick with Trubisky. Um, Giants were a B plus for me. Um, I think those first two picks are really solid. It's hard to go wrong that early and they just had so many picks. I mean, some of those picks are going to hit regardless. Um, and it's really going to build good for their depth. They have a lot of injuries. They have a lot of great players already on that team. And it's just about finding that chemistry that really works. Um, I wish they would have done a bit more on the offensive end that wide receiver they took, I think is questionable. Um, but I mean, I definitely think that they have 
a lot there that gets them ready in a year or two. But in a year or two, Daniel Jones might be out the door. Saquon Barkley might be out the door. And you're still in rebuild then. Um, so it's hard to really know what the Giants are going to do with their draft, which is why it's like great that you got the players you did, but not great that there's still no clear vision based off of the players you drafted, what you really want to do this season. Um, the Bills aren't A- minus in my book. I mean, I think they drafted a lot of players who like aren't huge in my draft grades, but are huge in terms of need for the team and players that are going to make impacts early. Um, corner is going to make impact running back is going to make impact and cook. Um, they had some good later picks as well. I mean, they drafted the punter that everyone raves about. Um, I mean, they, they, they drafted players that I think are going to have instant impact roles. And whether you're looking at more running backs that play like Zach Moss and Singletary and don't do that much and corners that are just meant to accompany Tredavious white. I mean, that's what you're probably looking at, but they filled a lot of needs and they're going to have a lot of those players play. Um, and I think that's a big win when you kind of have a draft and you feel confident enough that you have players that you'll be able to plug into spots when needed. Um, and finally, Eagles, I have an, as an A. Um, I know you guys are saying like top three draft. I have them in my top six drafts, I believe. Um, uh, they did well. I mean, getting a linebacker that I told said they were going to draft in the first round and the third. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with that. Um, I think they made the right trades where they needed to. I'm not surprised how Roseman decided that he wants again, wants to go with more defensive line. Um, I should have seen this coming to begin with. Um, but you know, they're setting up pretty well, um, with the defensive tackle they drafted last year in, in Milton and getting Davis this year, they're ready for Fletcher Cox and Hargrave to possibly part ways as both their contracts expire this next year. Um, so they've set themselves well up in that regard, and they've set up a defensive line that will never get tired. Um, and A.J. Brown coming in is a huge win, and the center that Marshall mentioned that needs more film to be watched by him to really grade. I mean, supposedly Jason Kelsey's been doing the scouting for centers for the last three years, and he said that this is going to be the guy that comes after him. Like, he's confident that this is the guy, like, that he thinks is going to replace him and, like, do a good job of it. Um, so, I mean, it, it's hard to argue with any of that, but I definitely think out of those four, the Eagles had the best draft. They just got so much value out of their picks um, and have instilled a lot of confidence in me, uh, which does not often happen coming out of a Howie Roseman draft. <laughs> Respect to Kelsey, though, for actually doing that research and not being afraid. I mean, granted, he knows that he's not going to be replaced until he wants to be replaced. But still, not not all players would have that 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 uh, attitude towards it, you know? He better retire uh, after this year. He needs to stop. <laughs> I, I saw something how he, like, partially walked it back at a press conference. He like partially he, what? I, so I think he, on the Bleacher Report thing, might have kind of – he pretty much said, like, he um, kind of overstated his involvement with it but I think it was still involved. So it wasn't like, wasn't like he was like, I'm sure he probably listened to himself and was like, Oh, it made it sound like I was like an active scout for them. And they <laughs> gave me this assignment. I'm sure he just gave them their opinion and they factored it in. Right. You know, That's probably fair. more than, uh, you know, your average person considering he's Jason Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Jason Kelsey got more opinion in that locker room on offensive linemen than Marshall did with the Bills on their picks, which is <laughs> shocking. <laughs> shocking, I gotta say. Uh, Marshall's gotta have an input there. That's that's like the Bills draft grade guy right there, missing out. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. 
that'll that'll come soon. They they just haven't they haven't written them the check yet. Okay. Now the NBA, we will end on this and end our show with this. So uh, we're currently in round two, by the way. We are recording on Wednesday, May 4th. So if any of these games are ending when you listen, we apologize. But nonetheless, we are currently in round two of the playoffs. So let's just whatever you want to say or give your opinions or who's going to win the whole thing or who's going to continue to win. Um, I'll begin. Celtics did have a great showing last night. They proved me a little bit wrong. Low-key thought the Bucs were going to win in like five games after the demolition of the Celtics the first game without Middleton and Drew Holiday actually playing very well of late. I still think the Bucs win this series. Uh, no longer in five games. I think it'll be six games, if not seven. But I do see the Bucs winning. Uh, Grizzlies putting up more of a fight than I anticipated as well. Referees helping them a little bit, but... Um, I mean, still winning by five against the Warriors that I personally thought for a while were almost a guaranteed to be in the finals. So uh, I see the Warriors winning in seven, actually, um, an away game in Memphis. Uh, unfortunately for the 76ers, uh, there are issues that are going on with, you know, Embiid being out and such. Uh, the Heat, I still think, is an overrated team overall, but I see them closing out this series in probably six games, uh, potentially five. And Mavericks Suns, I genuinely believe the Mavericks have no shot um, because it seemed like the Suns, their game plan was Luka Doncic is going to score 40 plus points. We don't care. Jalen Brunson isn't scoring. Nobody else is scoring. It's just going to be Doncic. And that's exactly what happened. And they lost. I think it'll be the same thing now. So uh, in terms of the finals, um, I still do. I am going to stick with the Warriors. I think they'll come out on top. Um and we'll go Warriors versus Bucks in the finals. Finals. Uh, that's what I'm going to rock with here, um, with the Bucks winning again. And the last thing I'm going to add: uh, for the past three or four years, I have disliked Chris Paul more and more every year, and I'm not afraid to say it. I know that might be a controversial opinion, but him of late, almost despise him. Actually, I think he's a ruthless player that should have been uh, ejected from not one but two separate games. So. Not a fan anymore. Unfortunate, because I really like him. Okay, Kevin. Man, you're, you're not gonna you're gonna say it to Sam's face next time he's on the show, right? Hey, I I, I work with an, an aggressive Phoenix Suns fan. He's lived there ever since he's five. He's 27 years old right now. I told him that straight to his face, and he actually looked at me. He said, "I love him on my team, but he's a complete and utter a hole." And he's like, "So he totally gets it." So I feel like I'm in the clear a little bit, you know. Um, but enough. Kevin, but Kevin, go uh, on. So I guess it might be a case of you. Do, do you hate Chris Paul? Do you do you hate Chris Paul the person, but love his game? I guess is that the question. Yeah, yeah, lo- love his game. I mean, even I mean, even him as like a family man, he's like a great dude or whatever. But like yeah. him on the court and his press conferences and like the disrespect and like you know dirtiness he plays with uh, to other players, I think is kind of it's been too much of late. Yeah, there, there's been multiple clips uh, that have circulated in years of Chris Paul being a. Uh, someone who is a nutcracker. I'll just leave it at that. So uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I think the big takeaway that I'm looking at so far is probably the Milwaukee Boston series. I think whoever wins that series most likely comes out of the East. Um, I, I had the Celtics going in winning that series. The one stat that I normally take into the playoffs is whoever wins the first game of an NBA series wins the series like 73% of the time or something ridiculous like that. In this case, though, I think these two teams are so evenly matched. I mean, great combination of shooting and size and versatility that I think, it could, I think honestly, it's going to go seven games. I stole the Celtics winning. 
even though they didn't win the first game. Uh, Philly, man, Philly's cursed. Philly, Philly is meant to be losing in the second round in perpetuity. I mean, the injuries to Embiid are incredibly unfortunate. Um, but it's like what I said years ago, man. Like, they were losing. I remember when they were losing all the time to the Heat in the second round, ironically, like when the big three were around. And their whole idea was, well, we have to tear down this team. We have to get rid of Drew Holiday, Spencer Hawes, whoever. And, you know, you got a generational talent at center and you still can't get out of the second round. Like, it's a disappointment. Like, if they don't win with this core, period, it's a, it's a failure. Um, Dallas, I don't think they're going to be serious against Phoenix. Um, Dallas is a good collection of players, but I don't think they're quite a team like Phoenix is in terms of either just shooters, ball movement, strategy, whatever. Uh, I think Jason Kidd is a good head coach, though, and I think they're going to be better in years to come, like when Luka is 27, 28, and they get more guys around him, and Jason Kidd formulates more of his strategy if he wants to do. It's a promising team with a promising coach and a promising young player, but they need time. Uh, Phoenix, Golden State look like the heavy favorites. Jaw, despite scoring 47, it was still a close game. Uh, I liked Memphis going into the series against Golden State. I think I'm probably wrong about that series, or I was wrong. Golden State's probably going to win that. Um, overall, though, I think the teams that are probably going to win the finals, or at least contending, Milwaukee, Boston, uh, Phoenix, and Golden State, those are probably the teams. But I, at this point, I have Celtics, and I'm going to say Phoenix right now. I think it's that's going to be the matchup. All right, Marshall. So the West is very hard for me because I recently my take span Phoenix, like their depth, but I just I, I don't know I just like I've it's hard when you have one of their players and you just like think he's like overrated. I understand he's a good player, but oh man it's just so hard because i don't feel like clay is 100 percent. i mean you watched him in game two like he just didn't look right yeah you know i i that's not typical clay i I think there may be not something ongoing but i just don't think that he has the rhythm that he had you know it's been two years since he's really been like actually like clay thompson and obviously like he played very well this year but i can see how it could affect you a little bit more in the playoffs than it did in the regular season so, yeah, it's very like I don't have a good feel for the West, but in the East, I'm I'm really starting to, you know, for for who I want to back, either Miami or Boston. I've crapped on Boston for a little bit, but just kind of watching them, they're so stingy defensively, and Jalen Brown is like a star. Um, I think we lost that argument. I maybe it was only me. Um, I told Keeney that uh. Damn, dude, like Jalen Brown is like, he's like for real, for real. Um, you know, because everyone was making that, oh, he's gonna follow the Paul George trajectory. And it's like, dude, that's like that's not a given. Well, it happened. I mean, like, like he's he even his misses look good. Um, you know, he had like a like a reverse spin double clutch layup that he missed. I was like, damn, dude, there's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, like how many like small forward sized guys can can look as good as he does and then uh, on both ends. So the Celtics or the Heat, I just don't think that Giannis is going to get the type of support that he needs. Um, 
I know I started on the Bucks. I think Giannis is so good that he could potentially overcome it. And the Celtics still feel like they're missing one piece. Um, but I think somewhere between the Celtics and the Heat, like they're just really mentally tough teams. And I feel like they're primed to kind of take advantage of this year. Yeah, Kev. One thing I'll say too about the Celtics is I think of all the teams that we're looking at, they're the team in the East that most likely for years to come, I think can get multiple finals berths. Like we're already seeing in this playoffs, like you can't bump Jason Tatum like you could two or three years ago. Like there were misses that looked pretty like two or three years ago that he could get bumped by somebody bigger and he would miss. He's finishing or jamming everything at the rim now. Like he's like a six, eight dude who like moves like a Kevin Durant type guy and Boston, like they have two guys who could be the best small forwards at some point in the league. Like Boston is going to be a problem for many, many years um, at this point. All right. And Justin finishes off. Uh, Sixers will win in six. Surprise, surprise there. Nice. Um, Bucks will win in six. Um, Also shout out to the Sixers. Uh, I said they were going to lose to the Heat and they didn't. So that's wild. Um, We'll go with Warriors in six as well. And Suns in four with the sweep. And I will now revert back to my original finals since the Sixers somehow won. And I will say Warriors over Sixers as my finals prediction. This is going to be a crazy four-game series when they move to Philly and Embiid comes back and Lowry probably comes back too. Um, I think the dynamics will be very different than what you see in these first two games. That's definitely a fair point. Um, Okay. That'll do it for Q Hot Takes on Real Show. Gentlemen, uh, Justin, uh, grateful to have you come on later on. Uh, my name is Andrew White. I've been alongside Kevin Slattery, Andrew Marshall, and Justin Ellis uh, saying it's a great day to be live. Go dogs and uh, just go sports. Loving it lately. All right. Good night. Go Georgia. Thanks for just Andrew's favorite players, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no problem. Yeah, yeah. I did that myself too. Yeah, you're welcome. Um. All right, so I guess shout out to Whitey's new dented car that we were talking about pre-show. I mean, Justin, your whole story reminded me of what White was saying, like about his dented car and his ability to get insurance from the guy who crashed into him. No. But, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just from anybody listening that actually knows me well. It was okay. It was a stop and go traffic situation, and the guy hit me from behind. Didn't realize. I guess we were stopping in traffic. Um, a slight scratch and a very small dent, really not enough to really go get fixed and work out all the pricing and stuff. It, it, it's not really visible until you get within about like seven or eight feet. And or a guy like me who bought a brand new car five months ago, you know, I see it a little bit faster than other people, but tough times. But yes, go on, Kevin. Sorry. I mean, so RIP to the resale value on Whitey's car. <laughs> but ultimately right now, um, you know, shout out Yanks, man. Like, best record, I think, in all all the land of Major League Baseball, like American League. Like, let's get it, man. Excited about that. Um, and I guess I'll end it with a hot take, man. I'll, like, I'll, I'll go one hot take. Talked about the Celtics, but I will say, Jason Tatum, in the next four years, will win a finals MVP. Shout out Josh Allen, just because. Shout out John Morant. Way to extend the series. I know it's I know it's games too, but I don't care. Like if they were down to nothing, I'd feel like the series is over. So shout out Jaw. And you know, that's about it. <laughs>
you know, we're going to shout out Ja and Jack Allen. And Jalen Brown might actually be one of the most like high-level assets in the league, which is, you know, kind of wild to me. I know it was always yeah. physically possible. Yeah. Like, I mean, the guy looks like a freak. But, damn. I don't know. Celtics are, uh, Celtics look good. I don't even know what their coach's name is. I saw a flash on the screen. I'm like, I don't know anything about this guy. But uh, your boy's NBA basketball again. So he's going to have takes. Nice. Nice. <laughs> All right. Good night.